0: If anybody needs a Bible, uh, we have a few on the back table there. If you need one, let us know. Thank you, thank you. That was a good song. Uh, it's a good song in its own right, but that end of that chorus says, For His blood can wash away each stain. And that just reminds me of the morning message about the cleansing work of the Lord Jesus. And thankful that the Lord can cleanse us. He can change us. And he's still doing that in lives. Um, I hope you can say the Lord is changing you. Um, I think we all kind of have that testimony if we've been saved that we're not what we ought to be. We're not what we one day will be, but we're also not what we used to be. And um, that's a a really good way to say it because it uh, lays out all the different things that are going on. Genesis 4 is our text, and we're going to pick up in verse 17. Verse 17. Now, I did just want to warn, we're going to do a reading, whoever wants to read, but before you volunteer to read, just know that we're reading some genealogy, and uh, if that scares you, then don't uh, volunteer, okay? Or maybe we could, um, I think there's genealogy in both the sections. So, when we're, we're going to read in verse 17 of Genesis 4, and then we're going to read down to chapter 5, verse 5 is our, our reading section. So having said that, is there anybody who would like to read today? All right, we have three right over here, four. We've got lots to choose from. Um, let's, let's, do, uh, let's have the ladies lead, uh, read today. And verse 17, um, let's have Amanda read verse 17 down to verse 22. And then Esther, you can read verse 23 to verse 26. And Deborah, you can read chapter 5, 1 through 5. So we're reading Genesis chapter 4 beginning in verse number 17.
1: And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after his son Enoch. And to Enoch was born Ired, and begot Mahujael, Mahujael begot Methujael, and Methujael begot Lamech. And Lamech took to him two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other Zillah. And Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and of those who have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who handled the harp and organ. And Zillah also bore Tubal-cain, an instructor of every artificer in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal-cain was Nema.
2: And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have slain a man of my wander- wounding and a young man for my harm. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said, has opened me another child and appointed me another child instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son. And he called his name Enosh. Then man began to call on the name of the Lord.
1: This is the book of the generations of Adam. At the time when God created man, in the likeness of God he made him. Male and female he created them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, and begot a son in his own likeness, and according to his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were eight hundred years, and he begot sons and daughters, and all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he
0: died. All right, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this passage of your word, and it is important, and there is truth here for us. I pray you guide us in our reading, in our study, in our discussion. We ask, dear God, that you will give um, leading of your spirit, that we will not just know the facts and details of the Bible, but we'll also see the truths and the principles and then uh, how we ought to live in light of them. Um, May we have open hearts to see you more clearly, to know our own world more clearly, and to just uh, have our hearts directed to you. We love you and we thank you for the chance to gather around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, as we get rolling here, a lot of people kind of groan and moan when you talk about genealogies. And they say, oh, if there's one part of my Bible reading that I don't like or that I skip, it's the genealogies. And um, I do encourage people to read all of God's Word, even the parts that are hard, even the parts that you don't know why they're there. Um, And I know sometimes for a sermon's sake or something, you know, people will kind of bypass certain scriptures. But the fact is, God recorded these things for us, and um, in Genesis especially, there's a number of genealogies, and what I just wanted to get started with is to point out that in Genesis 1, verse 1 to chapter 4, verse 16, which is where we left off last week, that is all narrative, or we might just use the word story. So we have a big story section in Genesis, but now in verse, chapter 4, verse 17, we start genealogy. And genealogy is the main meat of the text from here all the way through chapter 5, verse 32. And sometimes there's a few comments or a few little side notes, but it's basically a big genealogy. And again, in chapter 6, verse 1, we go back to narrative, that's the flood uh, story. And we're going to alternate back and forth through Genesis as we work our way through to Genesis 12. Because this study is a study of beginnings. We're planning to study chapter 1 through verse 12 and then, you know, maybe we'll take a poll of the congregation and see if we do the rest of Genesis. I don't know. We, we have done a study on Abraham already years ago, so anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But my point is, is we're going to kind of alternate between story, genealogy, story, genealogy. So in this section, I, I just want to point out that we're, we're coming on a section of genealogy, and it's specifically the side of Cain, and Cain's uh, genealogy so verse 17 let's read that and and in a minute we'll do some writing on the board Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch okay so the question that we already addressed last week was where Cain got his wife we made mention of that that clearly because Adam and Eve are the only two parents that these people were marrying their sisters This his brothers and sisters And this is before God, um, you know, condemns this practice. And part of the reason, you know, today we have, if we all go back far enough, we're all related, okay? But the distinction now is just that there's been so many generations from that time that there's a lot of, uh, what's the scientific word? There's a lot of uh, variation. And so, you know, you can get into struggles now if you have first cousins marrying each other. Some of the children can have birth defects and things. Early on, this was not the case. This was not the situation, and there was nothing wrong about it, okay? So we understand Cain to have gotten a wife um, as his sister. And then it says that she bore Enoch. So what I'd like to do is I want to write the names down, which I know is going to require a little work and spelling and all that. But we're going to start with Adam, and we're going to work our way down through this line, okay? So we have Adam first, and then Adam had Cain, right? Cain killed Abel, he had the mark, he had his wife, and Cain and his wife bore a son named Enoch, right? Now, let's just go ahead and list off the rest quick while we're at it, and you can help me out. Enoch had a son named Irad, I-R-A-D, and Irad had a son named... All right, so help me out with the spell here. M-E... All right. Mahu Mehu-J-L. Okay, and then Mahujael had a son named Methusel? Methushael, M-E-T-H-U-S-H-A-E-L. Just S-A-E-L. S-A-E-L. Oh, it is S-H-A-E-L. Okay, all right. And then he had a son named Lamech, right? All right. So as we work down through this, some of you might say, "Well, what? You know, what's the point of all this?" Well. What we're going to find is that there's two different genealogies given in Genesis, and they both start with Adam, all right? And at the end of our reading, we started the other line of genealogy. In chapter 5, we started the genealogy of Adam, but Adam through the other son. So Adam had a son after this, and he named his third son, or we don't know if it's number three specifically, but at least after this point, he had a son named Seth, right? Right? And then Seth had a son, and I'm not going to list all those names today, but we have this other line. I find this very important because in a couple weeks, we're going to get to Genesis chapter 6. Flip over to Genesis 6 for a minute with me. Genesis 6 says, and it came to pass, verse 1, when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took wives for themselves, all whom they chose, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always try with man, for he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, that, and they bore children to them, the same became mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let's stop there. When we get to Genesis 6, people will say, Pastor... What do you think about the sons of God and the daughters of men? And who do you think it is? And, you know, this is a common question in Genesis 6 about who is this and what is it talking about? There's two main views, and unless my mind is deeply changed through further study, I understand this to be that the sons of God is the line of Seth and that the sons of man is the line of Cain. And one reason I think that is because The Bible is laying out these genealogies so that we can follow them down through. And so in the next few weeks, we'll teach through the genealogies. Then we'll get to chapter six and we'll examine kind of the alternate interpretation for that. Okay, so you'll have to hold your your demon questions and all those other questions that go into the Genesis six thing six study until then. But in the meantime, we're going to study these lines. So in verse 17, it says he he built a city and he named it after his son. This is a little strange because if you think about it, there's not a whole lot of people on the earth, right? And when we think of the word city, we think of lots of people, right? I, in my mind, I kind of imagine it more, like I don't think Charlotte, okay? This is one guy. He's probably building what we might call a settlement, okay? And, and so he's building a house and maybe, you know, some houses for the future generations. And I don't know if he built a wall around it. But remember, who's building this? Cain. What does Cain have on him? A mark. And he's the murderer, right? And he's the one worried about being murdered. So I wonder if this city... I wonder if... I don't know the point, okay? I don't know. It's just in the Bible. But I wonder if it was about protection. I wonder if it was about an inheritance. I get the idea that there's like a separate civilization being formed on this side. And Adam and Eve live closer to where the garden was, where the presence of the Lord was and they're having their civilization, and they're these kind of parallel civilizations kind of being formed on the earth. There's not a lot of people, okay? And so we see these two um, camps, if you will, and here he builds the city. He names it after his son. So clearly he's thinking of the next generation. He's thinking of down the road. And um, now in verse 18, we have some of the specific names given, and to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begot Mahuagel. Or Mahujael and Mahujael begot Methushel, and Methushel begot Lamech. So it really just it runs through, it doesn't say a lot, it just says this one begat this one, begat this one. But the point is, first of all, these are not the only children they have. And what's happening is that each, you know, each new generation is another generation, but they're all descendants of Cain. Cain is the one that is not gotten right with God. Cain is the one who is the murderer, he has the mark. He's forming a separate civilization from Adam and Eve. And, um, and this is the line. This is the development of it. And these are the names of the people. And we never have... The Bible never says that Cain ever got right with God or repented or came to the Lord. It never says that. And so we see this guy here named Enoch. And let me quickly say that when you work down through this line, maybe I should just fill that in. There is an Enoch on the other line, okay? Seth had a guy named Enosh which is not Enoch different, different guy altogether but then Enosh had a son and Enosh had a son named Kenan and let's see if I can get us down to at least where where we find Oh, that was. I'm glad we've kind of retired some of these names myself Jared, alright I never realized Jared was such an early in the Bible kind of name, but there it is quite early. And Jared had a son named Enoch. All right. So we'll stop there. But my point is, is that this Enoch is clearly not this Enoch, right? Different Enoch. You say, how can that be? Well, you ever heard of someone named John? I have. I've heard lots of people named John. I'm a John. They're a John. We're not the same John. And so the Enoch who walked with God and was not for God took him. That's this Enoch. All right. It's not the son of Cain. So as we work through this story, it's just important to keep the Enoch's separate, and we know that that that's uh, the situation there. Okay, so Lamech is where we're going to pick up with in verse 19. Let's learn a little bit about Lamech. Lamech, verse 19 says, And Lamech took to him two wives. The uh, The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. This is the first occasion in the Bible. Maybe we'll leave that up for now. This is the first occasion in the Bible of polygamy. Um, It has never happened up to this point. Can people see on this side? I can turn it a little more. This is the first mention of polygamy. And I think it's a little important topic to just take a moment on because more and more you're hearing about this in our day and time in America. Now in other parts of the world, in the Muslim world, and in some places it's more common for, uh, and the definition of polygamy is to have more than one wife. But the word that's being thrown around in the usa is not polygamy it's what anybody know the word that's being used it's okay if you know it it's not it's not a sin to know the name of the word polyamory is what is being talked about polyamory and it's instead of just wives it's multiple partners and you'll have like four people that say they're all in love and they live in the same house and and it's an offshoot of polygamy, like six, sometimes it is broader and, you know, they have their different definition. But it's the same concept of, you know, one man, one woman, marriage as God designed it. And the first person to corrupt that was a guy named Lamech. And Lamech did not just marry one wife, he had two wives. And it's a rejection of the design of God. And it's interesting that we find this rejection, again, in the line of Cain, who has already rejected God, right? And it took a number of generations for someone to take that step. But now we have this family where there's two women who are married to the same man. And this Laymet guy, uh, he apparently had some interesting... Uh, he, he was apparently a wicked man, as we read and will understand further down, uh, the things that he did and the things that were said. But And some of it's a little fuzzy, like what exactly is he saying? But you can tell that Lamech is taking what happened to his father Cain and he's almost accelerating it. And he's saying, Cain, you know, it's almost like the the David and Goliath thing. David has slain, or Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. Lamech is like, yeah, well, you saw what our father Cain did, but I'm going to take it to a new level, you know. And he was a man of wickedness. So this is all in the same line. And it says, different wives bore different children to him. So we have Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and of those who have cattle. So again, remember Cain founded this settlement, this city, if you will, and there's Enoch and it's working its way down. Well, Lamech, he has a kid who branches out and does something different. And this, this kid, instead of living in the city, so to speak, he lives in tents. And instead of working a plot of ground or you know, at that early point in civilization, I don't know what jobs, quote-unquote, would be available, but he lived a very different life, and what he did is he, it says, was a father of those who dwell in tents and of those who have cattle, so he, the, the word Jaybal has the idea of wanderer, and so he began to live the nomadic lifestyle and live in tents and move from place to place, and, um, I guess maybe similar to his father Cain, um, which is kind of interesting because Cain was the wanderer as well. Um, And so he popularizes this, and and it's evidently those who followed after him lived in this lifestyle as well because it says others did it as well. So they start living in, in this other lifestyle, and then he has a brother whose name, verse 21, was Jubal. He was the father of those who handled the harp and organ. So cattle here, um, let's see here, I'm one verse ahead, sorry. Did I, oh, the word cattle, quick note. The word cattle there is broader than we use the word cattle, okay? Cattle today tends to mean beef. In the Bible, the term cattle is more like livestock, like it could be sheep, it could be goats, it could be any, any kind of animal that you herd together. Um, usually I'm four legs, but anyway, so there's cattle, Verse 21. His brother, Jubal, he's the father of those who handle the harp and organ. So here you have this other brother of this guy named Lamech, of this polygamous marriage. He is the guy who popularized music. And we have these musicians. And notice how it says the harp and the organ. Now, when we think of the harp, we think of the stringed instrument that we know as the harp. The word organ here, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think organ, but I think of that thing that used to sit over there. Um, Or the big pipe organ, okay, it's probably, but actually pipe organ is a really helpful tool to understand the word because when you have a pipe organ, um, when I was in high school I played the pipe organ for three years, it was a pretty neat experience, and um, anyway, I won't go into all that personal history, but playing the pipe organ, when you press the key, there's billows that blow air across pipes, and that's what makes the sound. And so, when you have a little electronic organ, it's just a recording, or it's like an electronic thing. But on a real pipe organ, you have real bellows that are pushing out real air. And in fact, one time I did a uh, a recital, and there was a delay from the key to the sounding. It was pretty strange. It was like about, depending on how fast you were playing, you are like a whole note ahead. And so, you just had to roll with it, and you had to know, like, if you made a mistake, it was going to blip out like a second later. It was weird. But the point is is you're 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 sending air over these pipes and when it says here the organ it may have this idea of pipe sounding and a lot of people think it was a like that sort of pipes Um, regardless of the detail of exactly what it is he's a musician so you have the one son that's into the cattle herding and the nomadic lifestyle you have another son that's into the music and he maybe formulated some inst- created invented some instruments maybe he formulated some musical things and he's the father of all who handle the harp and organ well there's another kid from this same guy named Zilla who bore Tubal-Cain so Zilla is the other wife she has a son named Tubal-Cain an instructor of every artificer artificer in bronze and in iron so again here we have a metal guy we have the blacksmith we have the metallurgist or whatever you want to call him but he's the one that works with these metals and the idea behind that bronze um, if you go back in old english older english bronze and brass and brazen can refer to brass as we know it but also can refer to copper so the point is he worked with these different metals and this guy was famous for this so why is the bible telling us these things you know, part of me is like, well, so what, right? You know? Wh- what, what is the point of sharing all of these different details about this kid has this and this kid has that? And again, this is trying to put all the puzzle pieces together, but I'm working through the Bible. We're seeing these different lines and the different generations. Lamech is the first one to have two wives, so he's the polygamist here, and... Um, I probably need to say a little bit more about that in a moment, but he has these various children from different women, and the different ones are very famous for music, for metal, and for a nomadic lifestyle. And some people think, and I, I tend to agree, that these are people who are making this world their home, if you will. They are—they're not in relationship to God, they don't have a connection to God, and so they're seeking satisfaction. In other parts of life now I'm not here asserting that if you play the organ you're a bad person or that you shouldn't do that right you can play the organ to the glory of God but what I am saying though is it appears that perhaps the reason they're being recorded is that it's showing the line of those who are not in connection with God and the lifestyle they live now some would not see it that way they would just say well the Bible is giving a history lesson and you know people need to know where the the first metallurgist was and you know, and that's, that's possible as well. It's possible that it's very innocent. However, as I understand Genesis 6, and as I work through the whole passage, I do feel like the Bible is trying to lay out two different approaches to life. Because this is the one who walked with God, right? This is the one who was taken up into heaven without death, right? And down here, what's very interesting, let's see if the counting worked. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seventh generation. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the seventh generation down, we have the polygamist. And we have the one who's ascended up into heaven without that. I just think that that's not by accident. I think it's God laying out a development of sin and a development of righteousness of people that sought the Lord and those who did not seek the Lord. So that's kind of how I'm interpreting this. Now, let's take any questions or comments before we jump into Lamech's speech here. All right, Deborah has a question. Do you have a question also? Oh, he's going to run, Mike. Okay, thank you, Pastor Jeremiah. Um,
1: in comparison with evolution, it's also it's a good indicator of how intelligent they were at the very beginning, and that they were smart at the beginning and not primitive. Yes. And it shows their intelligence.
0: Yes, that's a great point. Is that you know the evolutionary hypothesis tries to say that these things develop very very slowly right, over thousands and millions of years. And what we actually see is that within seven generations of creation, we have, well, this would be eight generations down here, but we have people working with metal, we have music, right, we have nomadic, and we have city dwellers, right? And so there's a great variety very early on. So that's a a good point. Any other questions or comments? Okay, well, we're, we're in the genealogies, yes. So I was gonna say maybe there's, maybe that means more questions or less, I don't know.
2: Uh, this is kind of a stupid question, but do we still have? I saw a to a lady who believed that the lineage still matters. That's why you have the Muslims, uh, the line of Cain, and the line
0: of Adam, uh, right?
2: Um, the line of Seth, which is Christians. Does it still matter, or after the flood, did it didn't matter?
0: Well, that's a, an excellent point that I was getting to. Is is I I believe the Bible is teaching in Genesis six that down the line these. Further down in the generations, these people began to intermarry, and they didn't live separate lives, they began to live together, and this line actually became very corrupt, so corrupt that Noah was the only one that found grace in the eyes of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And he did walk with God and seek God, but no one else did, and so this whole, this good line was very corrupted by the time of Noah, and they all had joined in sin and wickedness, yes. and so, um, the, and it didn't mean Noah was perfect, but it meant he was in relationship with God, right? He was seeking the Lord. So... Uh, having said that then after the flood Noah's the only source like we all go back to Adam and Eve but our closer one that we go back to is Adam and, or Noah and his yes. wife okay. so yeah and now w- when we get to Genesis we'll talk about the curse and, and all that with Noah and his son and there's, there is some big misconceptions about some of that but we'll get, we'll get there when we get there other questions or comments okay Let's look at this speech thing. It's a very interesting, a little strange speech, but listen to how he talks to his wife, wives. All right, Um, verse 23, and Lamech said to his wives, oh, I forgot the sister. All right, the end of verse 22, and the sister of Tubal came was Naima. Now, we don't know anything about her except that her name, Naima, means pleasant. That's what you have. Yeah, it, it's a. Um, some people see it as simply positive, as pleasant. Other people see it as enticing or almost in a, in a negative light. Um, we don't know that for sure. And some of these names, you know, they say it means this, but look, I read the commentaries. Some of them, then they're like, this commentary says the name means this, and this one says the name means this, and like two or three different meanings. So I'm like, it can't be all the same thing, you know. So um, I guess my point is don't read way too much into the meaning of a name. All right, verse 23, And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have slain a man for my wounding and a young man for my harm. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Now, this is a very peculiar and interesting speech. First of all, he has to tell his wives to listen to him. Listen up. Those are wives, and it's like he's giving this speech. Like it's very strange, um, and it's it's like what what are you trying to say exactly? But he he says he's slain a man. All right, and what this means is either he already killed someone, or he was planning to kill someone, or it was kind of like a threat or something. Um, and again, you know, if you technically read what it says, he says I have slain a man, but. Um, You know, this is what he's saying, whether he's saying the truth or, you know, regardless, is he's kind of boasting and he's telling his wives, look at me, um, I've killed a man. And then, then the big question is, what did he kill them for? Well, the verse says, I have slain a man for my wounding and a young man for my harm. Again, kind of strange language. What does he mean specifically? So the word wounding has to do with cutting and the word harm could be understood as hurt harm or hurt has more the idea of to bruise or with blows so like cutting and with punches kind of might be how we would think of it Um, and and he's saying he's done it either he already did it or he will do it because someone harmed him so we might think of this as a boast of like self-defense if that's what his meaning is but he's he's boasting to his wives about this self-defense but then he goes on to say And this is what's peculiar to me is he compares it to the sin of Cain, right? And he says at the end, he says, well, if Cain received sevenfold for his sin, I'll receive 70 and sevenfold, right? So he's basically saying, I'm brave enough to kill and or I have already killed and God do more so to me than he did to Cain and I'll still be okay. And I take it as a very negative and a very certainly threatening, but also it's kind of, I think, putting his finger in the nose of God, or his fingering his nose at God. That's the word I was going for. He's, he's boasting, and he's saying, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech 70 and sevenfold. Um, now, again, we don't know for sure if it's an empty boast or if it's a record of something he already did. You know, it's kind of like, have you ever heard, there are some men that they really boast in their killing capacity, you know, if anyone so much as comes near me, I'll send them to kingdom come, you know, well, (coughs) you know, we're not going to go into a huge discussion of self-defense, but the Bible does seem to indicate that if if you're defending, you know, someone and someone's trying to assault you, that you can, you know, defend yourself, That, that seems to be legitimate in other places. However, the desire to kill someone is not of God, right? And some people are just like, if someone so much step foot on my property, like, I'm just going to blow on the smithereens. And then they're like, well, the Bible teaches self-defense, you know. Well, the the spirit of murder is not of God, right? And if we have to use that in some awful scenario or wartime or something, that's a very different spirit than the desire of looking to kill. And Lamech seems to be saying, hey, I'm going to kill, and I'm, you know, God can judge me more than he judged our father Enoch, and I'll be fine. Like, I'm I'm not worried about it. I'm man enough to take it. So he's, he's boasting to his wives, and maybe he's trying to make them feel safe or something. I, it's, it's really strange. But the final phrase where he says, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, 70 and sevenfold. So he, he multiplies it by 10, right? I mean, that's the way I'm, I'm working it. Cain's murder would be avenged seven times or sevenfold by God. But Lamech's either murder or attempted murder or self-defense or whatever, however he's thinking of it, he says he would get 77 times. Now, um, is there another place in the Bible that uses this phrase, 70 and seven Yes. It's Matthew 18, 21, if you want the reference. But you know, this really blew my mind when I was reading it. And I was studying it out and comparing this and comparing that. But do you know that the... When we read 70 times 7, I always read it like this. That's how I've always read the verse. and It's 490, right? But the word times is not, does not literally mean multiply by. It can also be saying 70 occasions... And seven, which would be 77. And I was like, huh, I, I literally never thought about it that way. And if it is understood that way, then it's the same as what Lamech is saying here about the 70. Uh, he, he references it as 70, 70 and sevenfold. And so um, there are some people that see these two numbers as identical, and they actually see it as 70 and seven, as opposed to 70 times seven. So um, either way, regardless of which number it is, we know what Jesus is teaching, right? But what Lamech is saying is, I I can endure 10 times as much punishment as this guy, right? And there's a boldness and a brashness. And can I just say that wickedness has a way of multiplying and it has a way of expounding and, and growing. And as this generation is going further and further, distant from God, distant from his influence, they get more and more sinful, and can I just say that if you have, you know, if, if you have a, a, a family and they're, they raise their children for the Lord and then they have, you know, some children follow the Lord, some do not, and then those children who don't follow the Lord, they have children, right? There does seem to be, given if God does not intervene, right, there can be a multiplication of wickedness throughout the generations. Now, thankfully, we know that God saves sinners, right? So, you know, we're never bound by our parents, if God, if God is working in our lives, we can overcome any sort of background or, or, you know, generational struggle of some sort. But the point is, without God's intervention, things get worse. And here's this line that's, that's moving further and further and further from the ways of God. They've accepted polygamy. They're boasting in how they can endure the judgment of God. And it shows you the wicked heart that God's later going to judge when the flood comes. So it's, it's kind of a warning. Now, back to the polygamy thing for just a minute. Um, a lot of times we only think of polygamy in terms of like the Bible forbids it, therefore it's wrong. And that's true. But the reason God forbids it is for man's good. And that is a part that's not fully understood or embraced. But God knows what's best for us. And... Um, want to get too personal but back in your timeline yeah his your grandpa was a polygamist right yes. yeah so he has a lot of you know firsthand experience with his parents and what they went through you talked about a lot of envy and jealousy right a lot of family divisions right how many kids did he have official kids, but 109 official. all right 77 kids okay you know, when you think about that, I know what the time I spend with my kids. And if I had 77 kids, I think I, I just I can't process that. And you know what it means. Is There's some of them that just don't see their dad. You know, and it's sad, but, you know, you, you can talk about two wives. You can talk about maybe three wives. But I'm sorry, once you get to like six, eight, and ten, uh, you've got like one or two wives, and then you have basically sex partners you know, like, you can't have eight relationships, all, like, a real relationship, like, deep, meaningful, you can't do all that, right, and so the idea with God setting up how marriage is supposed to work, you know, a man and a woman, and we know that's his ideal, and what, what is the standard, right, and, and yet to thumb the nose and say, oh, you know, polygamy is fine, right, it shows the rejection of God's creation. It shows the continued wickedness of man. So in our day and time for people to start advocating for polyamory is very, very interesting because in 18 you know, whatever there was polygamy, right? In Utah, right? With the Mormons. But then it became outlawed, right? And for years and years and years, nowhere in the USA was polygamy allowed. Never. It was not never tolerated. And yet, over the years now there's a call from some Fringe circles that, oh, we need to bring it back. Well, no, we don't need to bring it back. No, not at all. And not even in the name of freedom, because God's created order of the whole world is that one man would be with one woman and that would be a marriage. And um, to, to societally say, we just need people to do whatever makes them happy. Well, created order is what God intends for people to be happy. And to try to go outside of that is not creating happiness is creating great harm i mean i've heard stories of some of the kids that were raised in the mormon compounds and they talk about hardly ever seeing their dad and they talk about their mom being depressed and they talk about these different things and i think in some ways it's more mentally harmful than than being without a dad at all um where where one is just single with their with their mother or i mean father too but you know with one parent um, and, and it's sad to, to see the, the way people try to twist God's design. Now, we know in the Bible there, was, uh, there were people that had a, were married and then one spouse dies or divorce or whatnot. So uh, that's you know, in the Bible, and that's understandable. But the idea that we can just have two wives or two husbands or you know two throuple couple, all these words that they're Talking about now is a corruption and it's 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 wickedness and we see the wickedness in the line that's given. All right. So, uh, is there any question or comment on these verses? It's kind of strange, like this whole um, speech by Lamech. But any thoughts or questions on it? All right. Deborah has one.
1: I thought the um, avenge sevenfold was on the person who would hurt Lamech because Lamech killed someone? Like Cain, vengeance shall be on the person who strikes back at you.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, that's a really good point. That, um, okay, so maybe, okay, so I see what you're saying. So the the sevenfold was not to Cain specifically, it was to his killer, would-be killer. So I guess in this instance, if understood that way, the idea is that Lamech is saying, If I go kill someone, God will stand up for me 77 times, right? So maybe it's just this idea that God tolerates sin then, you know, where he's going to defend, I can go do, and, you know, he'll defend me for my sin almost. I don't know. But that's a really good point that specifically the sevenfold is not upon Cain himself, it's upon who would harm Cain. So that is a a very important distinction. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, Anyone else? Okay, we have a few more minutes. Let's try to finish um, chapter four. It says here, verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said, has appointed me another child instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. All right, so verse 25 kind of picks up this other line. It starts with Adam. Of course, Adam is the father, but then it says Seth. Now, some people question and they wonder, does that mean throughout all this time that they haven't had any other children? Well, we know they had at least one daughter because uh, Cain had a wife. So they could have had other kids, um, but maybe this is the first son after the death of, of um, Abel. Or maybe it just means it's their third son, you know, and, and Seth was number three. So it doesn't really specify that. But the word Seth, according to the definition, has this idea of substitute. Um, And specifically the substitute concept is what's given in verse 25, where God has appointed me another child instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Well, Cain killed Abel. and, And the Hebrew almost specifically says, because Cain slew him, God gave me this other son. And it almost gives that as the reason why God gave this son to Eve. Um, And I can't imagine, you know, losing a child. But Eve lost a child. God gave her another child. And she understood this child to be a substitute in the place of Abel. Well, Abel was the one who worshipped the Lord in the way that God prescribed. And he responded to the Lord well. And um, so she's putting him in the, the line of Abel and in the line of those who knew the Lord and were connected to the Lord and worshiped the Lord and so on. Um, It seemed like there was something else I was going to say about this. Uh, Maybe it's further down. I thought I had the time. Okay, it's in the next verse. And to Seth, to him, there was born a son, and he called his name Enosh. And then it says, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. All right, so this Hebrew word, um, it's it's given as Enos or Enosh, either one, and that's in the, the marginal notes of the King James. Um, but this second son, it says Seth, and then Seth has a son in Enosh. Then man began to call on the name of the Lord. Very strange. Why why is it saying that they're calling on the name of the Lord then? If we do the math, we're roughly roughly 240 years after the fall. Um, because of Adam's age, and we have the death of the other two, or of the one, and then the birth of Seth. And it says, during his time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Well, call on the name of the Lord can refer to a number of things, right? And what are, what are some ways that we would understand call on the name of the Lord? Prayer, okay, that's definitely one. there a famous verse? Oh, okay, that's like prayer. How about like, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So, salvation request. Um, and it also may be the idea of song, right? Of calling out to God in song. Um, whatever it means, it's a good thing, all right. Call on the name of the Lord in in prayer. I wonder if this means that prior to this time, that uh, you know, when people would they would bring their sacrifice, but they wouldn't say anything. Um, by salvation, this is probably the hardest one to fit because we know that Adam and Eve received salvation, um, so it's not as though they are somehow finding out that all of a sudden they need to be saved because that was already known prior, but. If it's, if it's just the idea of calling out in salvation, perhaps, all right? And then song. I, re, I really tend to think of it more as prayer myself. But the song idea would just be calling out to God in, in song and in, in praise, in a worship sense. And again, this is happening from which line? This is happening from the line of Seth, all right? Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So I'm, as we work through the text, I'm going to kind of talk about the line of, of, of Cain, the line of Seth, and I think it sets us up for when we get to Genesis 6. Um, in application, you say, Pastor John, how am I supposed to apply the lesson to my life? Okay. Well, one, don't be a polygamist, okay? Can we all get that one down? Alright, hopefully we got that one down. Um, and strictly, you know, be faithful in your monogamy, right? It's not God's plan for anything outside of that. But also, I think there is this idea that we have an impact on others, right? That in through our family. We have an impact on the generations that come after us. And some people are going to learn what they know about God through you, right? They're going to look at their parent. I mean, what do we read in the New Testament about Timothy, right? The faith of your mother and your grandmother, right? Lois and Eunice. It doesn't even mention his father or his grandfather. It only mentions his mother and his grandmother. And they were people of faith. And because of their faith, Timothy grew up and learned of the faith. And as I read these names, you know, they're just names. But remember, these are people in a very empty world, very lightly populated. And the only access they have to God is not through the Bible, is it? It's through what? Well, hey, grandpa or great-grandpa Adam, he talked with God. And he was in the garden, right? And I believe Adam taught his people about God. And he said, come on, let's gather around, let's talk. Let me tell you the story of how, what life used to be like, you know. And he taught the people truth about God. And so there was a line of people that were listening to Adam, and there was a line of people that were listening to Cain. Can I say it matters who you listen to? Be careful who you're listening to. You know, if you, if you give 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week to, you know, social media and, and the different news sites or TikTok or whatever... And then 20 minutes to the Bible, you're hearing a lot more of one voice than the other, right? And um, when we come to church, we hear the scripture. And when we spend time with Christians, we have good influence. And we need to be careful what we're letting speak into our minds all the time. And the reason these lines were as they were is because of who they were listening to, who they were spending time with. And later, as we're going to get talking about, they began to mix, and it didn't go well. Um, they They began to be much more turning away from God, progressively worse and worse. So I think there's some application there. Um, any other notes of application or living out what we have studied today? Okay. Well, I think we are developing a history of how this evolved and of how this developed and what led up to the flood. So I hope that's helpful for a greater understanding of the flood itself. And... Um, Again, I I, I do just find it very peculiar that seven generations down, we have a record of this Lamech guy and his polygamy, and we have Enoch and him being translated to be with the Lord. So, all right, well, if there's no questions or comments, we will. Oh, we have one right here.
2: I just was thinking about how it says that, okay, so Adam had Seth, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure Adam talk to Seth about how Cain and Abel's relationship was and how that even came to be mm-hmm. and if you assume or take the thinking that God accepted Abel's because it was like a part of their salvation
0: the sacrifice you mean? the sacrifice right? Okay.
2: if or just if they he talked to him and, and taught Seth about it well then Seth grew up was old enough to have children and then he taught his children Hmm. and those children began to call on the Lord and make choices of their own Hmm. then that's when man began to call on the Lord as like this line of Seth yes
0: Yes. very good and you know as we think about these early days this genealogy and later we're going to see the years it helps us understand how long this actually was and this first generation before the flood You know, uh, Adam lived 930 years, okay? And so he actually lived until Noah's father. Like Noah's father was born in the lifetime of Adam. Like before Adam's death, Noah's father was born. And so if you think of the life of Adam, and then you have, you know, if you add the 600 years, this is real rough, right? 930 years of Adam, and then the 600 years of Noah before the flood, that's, uh, you know, 1,630 years, and there's probably a little adjusting because of, you know, the distance between those two, but the point is we're roughly at, you know, 15, 16, 1,700 years um, of how long that generation was before the flood, and it's very helpful for, you know, kind of working our timeline back at how old the earth is, and there's a lot of details where this helps in other parts of our understanding of the Bible, so Don't neglect the genealogies. I know that there's not a lot there. Next week, we'll talk about some more with genealogy things and hopefully draw a different application than we did today. But, um, and one more reminder is we're each writing our own genealogy, aren't we? So let's uh, write it for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word here. Thank you for Genesis 4. And as we learned about Lamech and he went outside your design, Lord, help us to be careful to just embrace your plan and um, let us not think that doing things the world's way is going to bring us more joy, can only bring sorrow sooner or later. Uh, Lord, as we think about our influence, I pray that we would steward it well. I pray that others would be helped in their walk with God because of us and that they would not be harmed or drawn away from you. Um, We just pray that, especially as we think of those younger than us or those in a different generation. Help us to be compassionate, to care about them, to spend time with them, to help point them to you. And um, we just recognize that uh, you have set up this world and you know what you're doing and help us to trust you and rest in you. I thank you for the privilege of studying your word today. In Jesus name. Amen. All right. Uh, Our closing announcements. Tim, can you help me with announcements? All right. Connection cards are pretty well known, but if you need to leave one of those or prayer need, please jot that on there. We receive